Hey everybody, this is the solo A Star Wars Story movie review that I did with Bill a few days ago. My voice sounds better in that recording than it does right now because um, there's some sinus stuff going on. Something's in the air. Anyway, uh, shoot us an email at mpls.podcast at gmail.com. That's like the abbreviation for Minneapolis, M-P-L-S dot podcast at gmail.com. Okay, enjoy. I'm a driver. I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? Yeah. Well, I'm Bill. And I'm Peter. Peter? That name is way too long. I'm going to have to call you something shorter. How about Pete? Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Now we got the origin of my nickname. Yep. And um, let's talk about Solo, colon, a Star Wars story. Not yes, Solo, colon. Um, not Solo's colon, but Solo, subtitle, A Star Wars Story. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. That's a film that came yeah. out, and we've both seen it. I saw it 10 days ago, full disclosure, is when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw it, mm, I think, nine days ago then. Right, because yeah, I think I saw it one right. day after you. That seems right. Yeah. Um, directed by the film 2018, came out on May 25th. Directed by Ron Howard. Mm -hmm. Written by Jonathan Kasdan and Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. Starring Alden Ehrenreich, Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, Donald Glover. Sandy Newton, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Junis, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Junis Suatamo, Suatamo, and Paul Bettany. Yes. Um, uh, what were the guys' names? So this, this movie, Ron Howard is getting the director's credit, but he took it over after the two guys that were, I think, most known for the Lego movie, right? Yeah, they did the Lego movie, which I saw and quite enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And they, and they mm -hmm. did 21 Jump Street, which I didn't see, but I would really like to. I hear it's very funny. Yeah. Ch Channing Tatum and, uh, uh, you know, the Jonas guy. Jonah. 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 Um, I hear Jonah. it's a very funny cop comedy and i would like to see it yeah i listened to um i think they were talking about it on slate and um it sounded pretty good i think i want to i want to check it out after i heard them talk about it too yeah yeah definitely yeah and so so supposedly the movie like they were set to direct the whole thing and then if i remember the headlines correctly like the actors as they were filming it sort of started to text Kathleen Kennedy and say, we think this film's going off the rails. 
you should save it. Yeah. Right? Is that what you heard also? So I haven't actually heard that it originated with the actors texting her, but I definitely oh, okay. heard that they were doing too many takes of scenes, um, which was very expensive, uh, that Lawrence Kasdan really objected to the way that they were directing his script. And uh -huh. that coupled with the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, the fact that they were really slow about making the movie made it really expensive, meant that they got canned. And replaced by mm -hmm. Ron Howard, who's kind of a journeyman, you know, seasoned Hollywood director who's made a lot of movies um, and wouldn't have wouldn't have any difficulty taking over something sort of midstream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's kind of the the gist of what I got too. And for people who don't know, um, Lawrence Kasdan and Jake Kasdan wrote the screenplay for this. And Lawrence Kasdan, famous, I think, for a bunch of movies, but um, pertinent to Star Wars, he he was the screenwriter for Empire Strikes Back, right? Yes, he was. And he yeah. collaborated with J.J. Abrams on the script of Force Awakens. And I think he even kind of collaborated a little bit with Ryan Johnson on the script of Last Jedi. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he, man, there was a time when um, I, was, I was pretty into the Lawrence Kasdan movies. Like he did uh, Silverado. That's a great movie. Which, oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, like it's ensemble cast and uh, young Kevin Costner and Danny Glover's in it and Scott Glenn, I think. Yep, right. And yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of my favorite comedic actors of all time, Kevin Klein, is in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, uh, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum too. Jeff Goldblum is in it. Brian Dennehy is in Gosh. it. Uh, so, so many. good. John Cleese is in it. Yeah. What's a hell That's of a That's right. That's yep. right. I forgot about that. And John Cleese in that movie, like, he's comedic, but he's not like, he's not like um, uh, 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 Monty Python comedic, right? No. Yeah. He's more kind of understated, more kind of droll, you might say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that movie. What other, oh, he also wrote, think, the big, uh, wrote The Big Chill. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He Raiders did this of movie Lost called. Yeah. Um, what is the name of that movie? Uh, he did. <laughs> what's the name of that movie that he did with uh, Steve Martin? And um, it was a serious movie. Grand Canyon. Oh I man, seen it. that movie. Oh, it's really it's it's like a it's a really good non at 90s um comedy drama and mm -hmm. mostly drama mostly drama and danny glover's in that too and steve martin's in it um and plays like rich hollywood eccentric guy who's having a midlife crisis mm -hmm. um anyway like super good super good so um so yeah that was uh, that's sort of the 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 setup for Star Wars story. I was gonna look up how it did in the box office, and like I can't remember 
what came out at that same time. Uh, box office, okay. For Solo? It, went, it was going, yeah, for Solo. Mm -hmm. So it has only done, a, it has, I don't think it has even hit 300 million domestic yet. Mm. And, and it, it costs $250 million. So after 10 wow. days, they have only barely broken even, which is not bad for, you know, a movie in general. <laughs> but for a mm -hmm. Star Wars movie, it's got to be viewed as a major disappointment. And what I've heard is that at Lucasfilm, they're sort of rethinking their approach to Star Wars movies in a way that they're that they're rethinking oh man hmm is it really going to make sense to have a spin-off movie every year is that really mm -hmm. actually going to be a good idea and i'm i can say i'm glad they're having that conversation like if this movie gives them pause a little bit i think that's good i think it should give them pause mhm mm mhm mm yeah um yeah, yeah, it it looks like, did you say the, the for me, the, the thing that, the website I'm looking at says the weekend gross for Star Wars solo story from 25th to the 28th for the three-day weekend was uh, 103 million, mm -hmm. um, which is not, not fantastic. Yeah, well, I'm seeing a number on IMDb right now that says the cumulative worldwide gross as of June 4th, which was two days ago, is $267 million. And yeah. the budget, I've heard estimates between $250 and $300 million. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's yeah. not doing so good. Yeah, it's not doing so good. Um, so uh do you wanna you wanna do a quick synopsis, Bill? Or do you want me to sure do I can a do a synopsis. quick I can do a quick synopsis. That's fine. All right. So, All right. so Solo a Star Wars story is about a young man named Han who lives on the streets of Corellia. He's Han. assumed Han or Han. <laughs> well, that's actually a plot point in the movie. Unnecessarily, mm -hmm. but we can get to that later. Um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he lives on the streets, the mean streets of Corellia. And he's a kind of a he's kind of a criminal for hire. He works for a, a crime lord named Lady Proxima, who's a big, um, many-armed uh, sea creature that lives in a in a in a room. She lives in like a cave-like criminal headquarters. Anyways, you get the impression that he carries out hit and runs and um, you know smash and grabs for this Lady Proxima. But he runs afoul of her because he um, failed to, what did he do? He, anyway, he kind of runs afoul of her, but he has managed mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. pilfer a piece of really, really expensive fuel. And he's going to make this fuel the ticket for him and his girlfriend named Kira, played by Amelia Clark, to get off Corellia and, and buy a starship so that they can set off on their own. And they're trying to do this when they get separated at a security checkpoint, trying to leave the, 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 the planet. He gets past the security checkpoint, but she does not. So then he makes it his goal to make, an, make money for himself 
make a name for himself by joining the Imperial forces so that he can eventually come back to Corellia and get Kira. That doesn't really work out because he gets kicked out of the Navy. He has to join the infantry. And while there, he hooks up with this gang of smugglers and heist men led by Tobias Beckett, who's played by uh, Woody Harrelson. And he, you know, after some convincing and after, in fact, uh, hooking up with Chewbacca, to whom he's almost fed. So the, the premise seems to be that Chewbacca is a prisoner of the Imperials on this planet that they're on. And they tried to feed mm -hmm. Han to him because Han was uh, mutinous. But he ends up making common cause with Chewbacca and they escape. And then he and Chewbacca join up with these gangsters, these heist men, led by Woody Harrelson, Tobias Beckett. So then they go and they steal some stuff off a train. They steal some fuel off a train and they're going to sell it to a criminal syndicate. But they end up losing that fuel because a rival heist mm -hmm. gang nicks in at the last minute and screws it up and this rival heist gang the, the go ahead uh, i was just going to chime in and say that the fuel the fuel's name is coaxium yes coaxium coaxium, coaxium. Yeah. it's a tiny mm -hmm. little uh pea-sized amount can can power spaceships for months so it's extremely valuable so um mm -hmm. They end up getting, you know, nicked at the last minute by this rival heist gang. So then they're like, well, what are we going to do? In the meantime, Tobias Beckett's wife is killed, as well as their partner, this little four-armed four alien guy who's voiced by the Iron Man director. What's his name? Um, the director uh, of Iron John Man Favreau. is called. John Favreau. John Favreau. John Favreau, not the former yeah. Obama administration speechwriter, but the other John Favreau. Anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So they end up having to go and confront the crime lord that they work for and explain, hey, we fucked up. We didn't get this thing. The crime lord they work for, his name is uh, something. Anyway, he's played, uh, by, it... he's played by Paul Bettany. And um, when they go to his lair, they encounter Kira who it turns out is now working for this crime lord. Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss. Yes. Dryden Voss. Dryden yeah. Voss. So Kira is now working for this crime lord. And Han is like, oh my god, I'm so happy to see you. We're finally back together. But you can tell by her reaction that something's not quite right. And of course, she's now seems to be indebted to this crime lord. And so she can't just run off with Han because she's kind of, you know, attached to Dryden Voss now. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Han is able to sort of convince Dryden Voss to give them one shot to redeem themselves and go get some coaction from somewhere else. Um, I'm being a little bit too long-winded with this. I'm going to try to speed it up. <laughs> this is the way I teach history yeah. in, in college. I, I'm too long-winded. So they they end up... Um, do you... Do you when why when you're you doing this, in, why don't you take over? Why don't you, you take over? Because I'm sure you can be it, a little bit more uh, uh, succinct. Wait, I have a question. When yeah. you're doing this in in your class in history, do you do you like you're going point by point by point, and then you go, you know what? Too long winded. Let's 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 speed it up. And I definitely then, uh, I do, do I do do that from time to time for sure. Uh, that'd be funny. Um, 
Okay, so so yeah, uh, Dryden Voss, they uh, Han and Beckett and all of them, they they convince Dryden Voss to let them have another shot at some more coaxium or some unrefined coaxium over on Kessel, I think. Yeah, let's say it's on. Let's say it's on Kessel. Um, oh, but did we say that um, their previous gang that had done this sort of train robbery um, died? Right. Their, their previous their previous gang mostly died. Um, Tobias, um, Tobias's wife, and uh, also yeah, their four armed friend played by John Favreau. Yeah, yeah. Um, so more on that later. Anyway, they 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 uh, have to do this Kessel Run, um, which is where the Kessel Run comes from. They go and get this unrefined coaxium. Then a uh, big shootout happens. There's some Wookies that we see there who are also enslaved. Uh, right. The the robot who is an amazing character. Oh yes. wait, no, they run into Lando at some point. Well, yeah, they have right. to get hit Lando's yeah. ship first. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so they get they get the ship, Millennium Falcon. Lando is tagging along uh, with his robot um, L33T? Seven. Seven. Leet, basically. That's why I couldn't tell if it was uh, seven or a T. Um... Anyway, they uh, they do the Kessel Run. They or they they get the unrefined coaxium off of the planet. Robot dies in the process. They bring it back to where they're going to have it refined. They see a whole bunch of like misery on this planet. Enfys Nest, who is this rival gang, comes in and turns out that they're actually. Um, they are actually like rebel fighters and fighting for like a, a decent cause. Yeah, they seem so, to, it's, in, it's strongly implied that they're like the embryonic rebel alliance. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I might have to tell my dog to, to quiet for a second. Buddy, shh, be quiet now, bud. Um, oh, I heard a cat. Yep. And uh, Lando takes off with the Falcon. Uh, the emphasis, like we said, explains to Han that they're not pirates. And let's see. they uh, Han tries to take the coaxium to Beckett, and we sort of don't see the behind the scenes where Han has made this plan with emphasis that they're going to do a double cross on Beckett right. um, and Dryden Voss. So we think that they brought fake coaxium. It turns out they brought real coaxium. Uh, and they killed Dryden Voss. Kira. Oh, and before that, Woody Harrelson's character runs away. Kira's left there. Um, we see a Darth Maul cameo. Kira's like yeah, implied that she's into him. Go ahead. Because it's well, it's revealed that first of all, there's two two reveals. One, Darth Maul's not actually dead. Yeah. And two, yeah. um, Darth Maul was above Dryden Voss. 
and now Kira is working for Darth right. Maul. Um, right. Because it's strongly implied that Kira is going to like, well, no, Kira convinces Han that she's going to come with him, but in fact, she has no intention of doing so because, in fact, her loyalties are still with the crime syndicate. And not necessarily because she's happy about it, but she feels that she has no choice. Uh, yeah, yeah. The or maybe she is well, happy about it. Uh, I, I, I have. Yeah, we we could talk about it in a second. But then, movie ends basically with this confrontation between Beckett, um, uh, Woody Harrelson's character, and Han. Um, Beckett's kind of long-winded, and Han shoots him first. Yep, Han shoots first. Han shoots first. Um, the Enfys Nest person gives Han a chance to join the join the rebellion. He declines, and then at the end of the movie, we see uh, Han and Lando uh, play the actual game of cards for the Falcon, where Han beats him because he uh, has taken Lando's um, hidden card up his sleeve trick thing. Yeah. Um, and that's the end. So, if that sounds convoluted, um, it is. Yeah. And and uh, let's just. Oh my goodness! It's so hard. Do you know how hard it is to sustain a, a train of thought when there is a dog whining at you? Yeah, it really is. So I mean, was. I was playing frisbee in the backyard with Waldo before this, to in order to, to to hopefully head that off at the pass. Oh man, that's that's a smart move. Me? Yeah. Nope, no such luck. Um, yeah. So this was a movie. I'm going to jump in and say here, this was a movie that at, when I left the theater, I was like, you know what? That was way better than I thought it was going to be. Like I left the theater thinking. Man, I had I had like a pretty good time at that movie um, because I liked the uh, Donald Glover plays Lando, and I liked I really really liked him as Lando, and I liked the the way that the droid was portrayed. Um, she's kind of a she's kind of like a, a droid liberation equality kind of mm -hmm. character. Mm -hmm. She's played by Phoebe Waller Bridge. Um, yes. And it makes me want to go check out her TV shows and stuff. That she oh man, she's in. got Flea this bag. flea bag. I watched a couple episodes of that. It is. It's one of those movies. It's one of those shows. It's well made, but it's one of those shows where you're like, oh, <laughs> all of these characters are loathsome. I don't like any oh, of these people. Yeah. You know, kind of, kind of, kind of thing. But she's good in it. I mean, she yeah. she's clearly very talented. Um, but I didn't finish that show just because I couldn't find anyone to root for, really. Uh, yeah. Um, but when when I left the theater, I left thinking I was enjoying it. And I think I texted you kind of shortly after that. And I was like, you know, it wasn't that bad. And 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 I can't remember, you grumbled something yeah. over text that was like, <laughs> and, um, oh, you said, ah, I didn't like it as good as, as uh, Rogue One, and I said, right. I think Rogue One wants to be taken more seriously than this movie. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, I think that's um, true. It, yeah, the so upon 
thinking back on it, the movie has sort of lost its luster for me. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, there's just, there's some things that I really don't like about it. Um, Alden Ehrenreich, am I saying his name correctly? Yep. He's pretty good as Han. Like I, like I enjoyed his portrayal. Mm -hmm. I, if, if no, if they had different names, I would not link the two characters together. You know, like if if somebody just showed me that movie and didn't tell me it was a Star Wars movie or that's not Han Solo, I wouldn't think that that was Han Solo. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Not not really at all. So I'll, I'll um, just share my thoughts. Let me just share my thoughts on Aaron, Alden Ehrenreich for a second. I thought it was fun. Yeah. I didn't have any problem with his portrayal yeah. because, um. He wasn't doing a, so I think it was a good move to not try to do a Harrison Ford impression. Like you can imagine someone trying to do a Harrison Ford impression and that not going so well. Um, I thought he was just fine. Like my problems with the movie, none of them are, none of them are with Alden Ehrenreich's performance. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, mean, I agree I with you that, I agree with you that Lando was really good. Yeah, I thought I thought it was fine too. And it's funny because if we both think that Lando was good, I think Donald Glover was absolutely doing a Billy D. Williams impression. Oh, he was, and he like, pulled it off. Like yeah. down to the speech pattern. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he nailed I, it. Also, I I just I think I mean, people can have whatever opinions they want, but I also think that Donald Glover is just like that. That dude is super charming mm -hmm. in in and of himself, you know. And yep. um, like he comedy really well. He does like he plays drama really well. Like I really liked him on Community. Uh, th that show suffered when he left. His character left uh, partway yeah. through the series. Yeah, and it suffered a lot because he was really good in it. Um, he plays both comedy and and dramatic on Atlanta, and mm -hmm. is amazing. You know, yeah. the, and he's coming off of this like huge hit, I think, with uh, "This Is America" that that video and song that he that he just uh, produced and came out with, right? Like, right, man, so good, so good. Um, uh not to spoil anything for for anybody in Atlanta but he there's one episode of Atlanta where he plays a character that is not his that's not his usual character and um he does like a different accent and he's got like makeup on and stuff and it is funny and disturbing and weird and scary <laughs> like it's just really really good so it doesn't surprise me that him doing an impression of Billy Dee Williams would also be like super interesting and charming, you know? Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where do we go? Where do we so, go after that? So, oh, I, man, the... so let me share my, my overall thoughts on the movie real quick. And yeah, then we yeah. can get into some more details. Sure. I thought it was a fun movie, but my, I was like, my, my thoughts on it really haven't changed since the credits rolled. And as soon as the credits rolled, I was like, that's a B minus. 
And I think I'm still mm-hmm. at, I'm, I think I'm still at B minus. And I think yeah. my number one problem with the movie, well, okay. My number one problem with the movie is that some of the prequelness of it was just unbearably cheesy, unbearably cheesy yeah. and unbearably awkward. Yeah. So that was the number one thing. Um, there were moments that I thought were just horrible, horrible screenwriting that really mm-hmm. took me out of the movie. But mm-hmm. the sort of more general problem that I had with the movie was the movie was exactly what I imagined it would be. As soon as they were like, there's going to be a Han Solo movie, I imagined this movie exactly. I imagined exactly this movie. Um, in terms of the art, character arcs, in terms of the beats, in terms of the tone, it just didn't surprise me in any way. It was, it was seemed, exa- it seemed like it was just sort of hitting the very predictable notes. Um, and there were certain things about it I enjoyed. Like I thought certain things were kind of interesting. Like I liked the sequence when Han is in the infantry and it sort of seems like World War I or something. And he has that line mm-hmm. where he says to the commander, you know, the commander's like, we need to move south and eliminate all the hostiles. And he goes, Han goes, it's their planet, we're the hostiles. And I, so I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, that's like a little commentary on the <laughs> colonialist nature of the empire. So I, I kind of like that. But, mm-hmm. but otherwise, it just seemed like an extremely um, predictable Han Solo origin story movie. And furthermore, the dramatic arc of the character of Han is the same arc as the original Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> it's like he starts out as this guy who wants to play it all tough and be like a loner, but at the end he's compelled to actually do something for the greater good, which is exactly the mm-hmm. same uh, story he goes through in episode four and episode five. So it's like, well, okay. Um, I guess this character, Han Solo, had to learn the same story a couple different times. Um, Right. So yeah, I guess, you know, even if it had been very predictable, I think I would have liked it better if it just hadn't done the really cheesy moments. The like the moments I really didn't like. Like oh, man. The, the origin of the name Solo, um, his little exchange with Chewbacca. Uh oh, what's your name? Chewbacca? That's too that's too long. I'm gonna have to find uh, some other name to call you. Though like, those two moments, yeah, like that was like screenwriting like, as by a twelve-year-old. Right? Oh that god, was really it, bad. I agree. Like when it was uh, that the origin of the name Solo too. So he's he's uh, trying to get off the planet. He's trying to figure out how to become a pilot so that he can get his ship, so that he can come back and get Kira. And he thinks, well, there's this. I better enlist in this army thing and then i can become a pilot that way and so he's about to enlist and the guy says what's your name and he goes han he goes okay what's what's your last name or something like that like who are your people he says i don't have a last name who are your people he says i don't have any people and the guy goes hmm solo yeah I think I think almost exactly like Yes, that. it was so bad. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. It was the Chewbacca the Chewbacca thing was worse to me, but that was pretty bad. Uh I 
Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, I remember when um, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies came out, one of the reviews I read about it was like, everything has a plot point. Like, like somebody's, uh, like, a, like the monkey in the movie has a plot. Like, everything's got a plot, you know? Yeah. And uh, and I feel it's it's the same way with this. It's like uh, it's like the his name has a plot. Uh, the origin of the Millennium Falcon has a plot. The Chewie's story has a plot. Like it, 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 you're right. It was it was just it. It's like um, it's like when you're a kid and you have action figures and you're trying to make up the stories. And you don't understand anything about character development or like what makes interesting dialogue, right. but you do understand plot. Like plot right. is something a kid can grasp, right? And like right, and like motivations and stuff. They know how to like make make uh, uh, action figures say no. say what they're thinking. Oh my goodness! Hold on. So I have to go let my stupid dog into the backyard. Okay, I'm gonna quick. let I'm gonna let my my. Uh, dog out also. Talking about bad screenwriting. Oof. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that, that you're right. Like that's, that's what this movie felt like to me, but only it's interesting only in retrospect, because I think I was so caught up, um, in some of the more emotional beats of the movie. I was really happy with, L337 um and you know it's a some people have said like it's the first um female reading droid mm -hmm. you know um yeah. in the Star Wars universe which is really cool um and it's the first time a droid has sort of had these bigger ambitions about um talking about like freeing all the other droids which was Something that happened on um, on the planet on Kessel. Uh, it, there there were little moments that I really identified with, like Chewie sees his family and he's trying to he's trying to release his family in the midst of all this stuff. Oh, did really you think it was his point. family? I just thought it was other or, Wookies. I'm sorry, you're, you're probably right. It's probably just other Wookies. That's right. I misspoke. But um, still. Yeah, like I really liked that part. I really liked. I could watch Donald Glover do that Lando Calrissian impression, which I guess oh, we're yeah. going to. Like, well, maybe. Yeah, they might be making a, a Lando movie. Right, um, it might be. Yeah, so yeah, it was just so just, it was, be uh, just before the really movie good. came out, the the news broke that they were now going to do a Boba Fett movie. Oh right, which I just do not. Ugh. I don't know. I, I guess I'm in the minority in Star Wars fans, but I never gave one shit about Boba Fett. I never thought I never liked Boba Fett. I just was like, okay, he's a bounty hunter with a pretty cool uniform, but I find him utterly uninteresting. And so, a, a movie about Boba Fett does not appeal to me. But whatever, it doesn't. It doesn't appeal to me either. And like that, he's a character that needs to do exactly what he did in um, in. Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. He just needs to be a guy that doesn't say much, shows up in a cool costume, and then leaves. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when they fleshed out his backstory in the prequels, like in the in the early two thousands prequels, mm -hmm. what the hell? Like that 
that kid was annoying. Oh, yeah. Like the dad was annoying. <laughs> yeah. Like if they if they're planning to build off of that, um, isn't I don't, it that so? Isn't it that like all the clone troopers are clones of Boba Fett's dad? Is yes. this, do I have that right? I think so. I think you're correct. <laughs> yeah, they're all which clones is of, yeah so so dumb. Like. It's so dumb. They they could have played with when I when I heard that they were doing the Clone Wars movie for the for the prequels back when it first came out. I was thinking, ooh, this is going to be some time for like, what if they clone Darth Maul and he's like kind of messed up, you know? Yep. Or like, yep, yep. what if they clone some of these old Jedi Knights and then you're like, are you really you or are you the clone you? Right. You know. It could have been. Uh, it could have been like Westworld. That's what I. Now. That's what I always thought of as a kid. Like as a yeah. little kid, seeing Star Wars, where Luke says to Obi Wan, "You fought with my father in the Clone Wars." I always imagined it was like, "Oh no, there's like the good version and the bad version of people out there, and you don't know which one's which." Right. That's how I always right. imagined it. Right, yeah, like some sort of Star Wars Battlestar Galactica mix, right? right like, oh, right. are you a clone or are you the real you? Yep, and yep, yep. <laughs> Instead, it was like millions <laughs> of Django fets. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. With, with Yoda being a little ping pong ball and a lightsaber oh, bouncing oh, around, yeah. leading armies. Yoda does not need to lead armies. No. Ugh. No. Um, so anyway, yeah. Point so, being, I'm I'm also uninterested. So I think one of the one of the major problems I see with the movie is uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Is that okay? Like I said before, I enjoyed Han Solo in this movie. I thought it was pretty Han Solo-y. I was down with it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed Donald Glover in this movie. He was a great Lando Calrissian. I was totally down with it. I enjoyed those two characters. Mm -hmm. Every other character in this movie was really boring except for L337. Mm -hmm. I felt Kira mm -hmm. is only plot. Yep. Like describe Kira as a person. Like you can't come up with adjectives for Kira. All you no. can say about her is the role she plays in the plot. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, she's a uh, here's the way I would describe her. Uh Queen of Dragons lady, <laughs> brunette in space. Yeah, yeah it was, it was yeah, brunette and in space. Yeah, like this. I think really kind of the same goes for Woody Harrelson's character. I'm afraid, like he doesn't. He's a very, very, very cardboard cutout of like the mentor to the gunslinger type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like the movie, I suppose if if it if it. The movie is perhaps most like a Western, I guess you might say, in, in mm -hmm. terms of its plotting. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like the Woody Harrelson character is not very interesting. I think the Paul Bettany character is terribly boring. As a villain, he's just like, what is his character? He has some red line things on his face. Okay, get, what else? That get angrier. Uh, right. Yeah, they get darker when he's angry and he like has a stabby thing that he stabs people with. There's nothing else you can say about him. There's nothing. He's not a. Yeah. He's just nothing. So yeah. the only good character was L three three seven. The only good new character, in my view, was L three three seven. And when you think about what happens to her, here is a droid who is committed utterly to the cause of droid liberation, droid freedom, droids being able to uh, 
find their own path. Droids being able to do, you know, use their imagination to come up with they, what they want to do. Like, for example, she removes the restraining bolt from the one droid and she says to it, I don't know, go find your family or something. Like, she's <laughs> giving freedom to yeah. droids. And she's like, she ends up trapped in the Millennium Falcon for the rest of existence. <laughs> <laughs> right? She, yeah. she becomes basically a voiceless, shapeless thing inside the Millennium Falcon. Now, That's I did true. think it was kind of cool to think, okay, so from, you know, the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars episode four, five, six, seven, and eight has the personality of L337. And you can reread those movies in that light. I thought that was kind of clever. I, I kind of I liked too. playing around that with that in my mind. Yeah. But 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 mostly the implications of this are really troubling. Like you've got this woman droid <sighs> who is bent on liberation. What happens to her? Oh, we're just going to put her personality into the Millennium Falcon for the rest of existence, <laughs> and like... and and also stifle her voice completely. Yeah, she has no voice any longer. <laughs> she has no, no voice anymore. No. Oh God, it's so yeah. The the at at some point, I want us to talk about broader themes and as they relate to today. At yeah. some point in this convo, uh, yeah. convo. I just said that out loud. Conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one thing I thought, I mean, I can, one thing I thought was um, at the beginning when you are at the um, like migration checkpoint on Corellia and you see, you know, people being separated from their families by the stormtroopers, mm -hmm. I was like, Jesus Christ, they could not have this, the, for the timing of this in terms of current events could not have been more on the nose. I was like, right. And I actually to, welled up a little bit. I was I like, did, <laughs> no, I did too. I did too. And, yeah. and just to just to illuminate that a little bit more for you know, if we dig up this audio three years from now, it's because in the news, all there's that big story about these children of immigrants getting lost, yeah. right? Yeah, um, and I getting separated from their families at the border. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. It's I've so actually, awful. I've. We don't need to get too into the weeds on this, but I've actually read. A few different articles about the the whole thing about children getting lost, mm -hmm. and um, this is pretty pretty beside the point. But Sorry. I thought it was interesting that, in fact, that story of the fifteen hundred children getting lost is actually not what we should be focusing on. Like because, so what that means is these children, um, when when ICE when the immigration and customs enforcement like made a phone call to check up on them they were not able to reach them but like sources i trust say that no 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 this is actually a good thing cuz what that means is these kids are not going to be able to be found by ice so that they can be deported oh i see i see but okay. because of the way that because of the way the whole media atmosphere around Trump and everything going on with Trump is that these stories of, on the one hand, the 1500 kids that are quote unquote lost and the children being separated from their parents at the border, these two things became conflated and they sort of turned into the same story when in fact they're very separate issues. Ah, uh, okay. Not to, not to take too much of a detour into this 
I say we detour all we want. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, so absolutely the separating kids from their parents when they're apprehended is, is awful. I think that's horrible, but um, there's a very good case to be made for the fact that in fact, these 1400 and so kids that got lost um, in fact, that's probably actually a good thing for those kids and their families because now they are presumably with relatives and the government doesn't, doesn't know where they are to come deport them. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I thought that part was really touching and the, mm -hmm. and Chewbacca in this movie, I feel like he's the most dog-like that he has ever been in a movie. Yeah, that's true. And, and so because of that, it makes me think of my own dog. And yeah. equally, there were Chewbacca moments where I was just like, oh my God, like uh, it's not nearly as important, but it's still tugged at my heartstrings, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, the the Han meets him in the mud and oh, yeah. you know they're treating Chewbacca really poorly and then like, they, you know, he gets him out and it's just, it, it's like, it's like getting your, it's like going to the pound and getting your, your rescue dog and yeah. he's all, he's all malnourished and then you, you know, you pick him yep. up and, and there he is, he's your buddy, yep. you know? Yeah, so. like, uh, you know, the story of how Chan, ha, Chan, Chan. <laughs> the story of how Han meets Chewie, I liked it, it was good, like, yeah. If, if we're gonna get the origin story of that, I thought that was a good depiction of it. Although, what did you think of of Han actually speaking Wookiee for a second? It was not needed. He, it he was had not needed. never, it was not needed. Yeah. He never, he never quote, spoke, uh, uh, um, what's, what is uh, Chewbacca's Wookiee? He's, ne he's never spoke Wookiean or Kashikian or whatever Kashyyyan, that. Right. Yeah, whatever the language is, Although, ever in any, in any if, of the if other. If Kashyyyk is a whole planet, you would imagine that they probably there's probably hundreds of Wookiee languages. I mean, if it's like Earth, where there's hundreds of hundreds of human languages, you know, yeah, who knows? I, I I agree, but but then maybe the the hand waviness of it could be that I I bet once Earth gets the capability of like interacting with other life forms and we're like yeah. populating the galaxy, I bet. I bet there's going to be kind of a, a planet-wide um, language that we've all sort of been like, okay, yeah, like, but we have to speak Earthian, so this right. is our language. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I don't know. That Maybe makes not. sense. That makes sense. What did you? What was the phrase you used? The hand waviness of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know where where you're just sort of like wait, you wave your hands and be like uh, in the middle of a story. You're like. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I gotta remember I, that. I, I gotta use that, that. I stole that from some from somewhere. It's a, yeah. a lot of hand waving. Um, <laughs> that's a, solo, a Star Wars story. A lot of hand waving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The the um, uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, that part. That part. Uh, the, that sort of tugged at my heart heartstrings a lot. And the man, just L three three seven was so good. Um, I don't know why they didn't want to keep around uh, John Favreau's character longer. Like, he he has a great voice. Like, let's yeah. listen to John Favreau's voice more. Like, incorporate these zany characters, and if you're gonna have fun with the story, right. like, 
lean into it and have oh, fun yeah. with and it. And Candy Newton uh, just dies, and Tobias Beckett just gets over her death like real fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, and she, I remember uh, one of the other podcasts I was listening to about this. Somebody was saying like they were excited because it was the first black female um, Star Wars character. Yeah. If I if I I think. Um, yeah. And then she dies like a third into the movie. Yeah. Or maybe less. Yeah. I, I, like, and she's, she's great in Westworld. Like mm -hmm. she, she's a very good actor. You can do a lot of things with that actress. And uh, I, yeah, just yeah. gone. Just, just, just gone. gone. Yeah. Just gone. So um, go ahead. No, go for it. So there's one uh, theory about the whole um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller getting, or Chris Lord and Phil Miller, what, what getting fired thing that yeah. I think is kind of interesting. <laughs> um, and I don't know if this is true. Like, I have no idea if this is true and we may never know, but there are some people out there on the internet and in podcast land that are arguing that, there are certain signs in this movie. There are certain like uh, uh, vestiges of what they were trying to do, mm -hmm. which is that they were trying to make a really broad parody of an origin story. Uh, okay. Like so, like so, like that line where Han says, "What's your name anyway?" and Chewbacca goes, and he goes, "Chewbacca, that name is too long. I'm going to have to call you something shorter." Right? right, terrible line, terrible line, terrible. Right. But imagine that same line in a movie where the whole movie was just making fun of origin story tropes. Ah, uh, yeah, like yeah. left and yeah. right, all over the place. Like, yeah. and and I think another example of that is in that very first scene where he, it, where he's talking to Lady Proxima, and he's like, "I've got a thermal detonator," and she goes, "That is a rock." And you just made a clicking sound yeah, with your it, mouth. It's like, right. Oh, right. maybe the whole movie was gonna be jokes like that. Like yeah. maybe the whole movie was gonna be just shitting all over the tropes <laughs> of origin stories and just be like, oh, origin story. Wah, 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 origin, you know, like right, right. And that. and then and then that that if if that's the case, then the like origin of Han's name also. It's yep. like just completely laying into and making fun of the whole origin story idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that. That would make me feel worse and better about it. I think. Yeah, like I don't know. Maybe that would have been awful. Like maybe if that whole if the whole movie had been that way, it would have been absolutely terrible. Like maybe the right call was to fire those guys. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Or maybe it would have been hilarious, and it would well, have been just like a crazy batshit comedy. Well, have they made a Lego Star Wars movie yet? Like, no, I know but there made are a... Lego Star Wars video games, but right? I haven't, I haven't played them. And they made, but they and they've made a Lego Batman movie. They've made the Lego movie, right? And, yeah, uh, that's true. So, if that was the case, if they wanted to do something like that and use those directors. A Lego Star Wars Han Solo movie in that tone would totally work. 
Yeah. Because the like the Lego Star Wars movies are like that. They're funny yep. and they, they make like winking jokes and, and they do it in a way that that doesn't take um it like doesn't take too much of a piss on Star Wars, you know? Right. But right. Yeah. just the right amount. Um yeah, that would have been great. I would have watched yeah. that. Yeah. And it, it and it sounds like I don't know, like maybe that's why they got fired and replaced by Ron Howard. And so what you end up with is, is this movie that strikes a much more serious tone than that. Uh -huh. But yet there are these little vestiges of the less serious tone. And <laughs> so weird. in so context, weird. they don't really work. They're not very funny. But maybe they would have been funny if they'd been surrounded by other things like that. You know, it's just, yeah, it's this weird mishmash. So uh, there's, uh, I agree. I totally agree with that. Here, here's another metaphor I have for this movie that that may or may not land. So stick with me here. Okay. Okay. So Bob Mold. <laughs> so Bob Mold. Bob Mold was in the band Husker Du. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, like a like a fast '80s indie, like pop punk. Uh, some people would argue that it's like the beginning, the beginnings of what became like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and stuff. Like all of that began with with Husker Du. The people yeah. have made that argument before, but, right? but, but grimier. Husker Du is like yeah, 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 yeah. scratchy yeah, yeah. guitars. You know, yeah, yeah, like like punkier, but but with poppy overtones and stuff. Okay, so Husker Du inspired directly inspired uh uh um the pixies frank black hmm. heard husker do and was like oh my god this is great i want to make a band i want to make a band like husker do and then made the pixies right mm -hmm. you with me so yep. far and the pixies so far. became this like huge crazy good thing bob mold <laughs> I, I think this is how the story goes. Bob Mold heard the Pixies and was like, this band is great. After the Pixies came out and then came out with his own band, Sugar. Yeah. Which was like, uh, you know, it, it's like this, this like reflections in a mirror creating iterations of, of a thing on top of itself, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So how does that relate to Solo? Okay. We we get Star Wars, the original trilogy, right? right? With um with this character Han Solo that was made famous by Harrison Ford. Okay? Yep. Many years in the future, we get this we get so many uh versions of Han Solo. The one of the most recent ones being Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yes. Um and Han Solo and Peter Quill are interchangeable with one another, uh, right? Yes. So, so you get, as a result of Star Wars and Han Solo, you get this movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, where we have a similarly wisecracking uh, main character who uh, has like a, a little creature for a, you know, two creatures actually for, instead of just Chewbacca, we get the non-talking one in Groot. And that, but we also get the other more wisecracking one in Rocket Raccoon, right? Yes. And then uh, 
in addition, on Guardians of the Galaxy, we have like this weird not father figure who's like this southern cowboy guy. Yes. And, and yes. I forget that guy. I forget that actor's name, but he's he's pretty good. He was in Walking Dead, and yeah, I, I like uh, that. The blue he plays guy. Yondu. He plays Yondu. Yeah, Yondu. Yondu. Yeah. Michael something. Yeah. So we get so that. Yeah, he's great. I think he's great, and he's and he's a southern. He has the southern accent in yep. set in a space realm, which we don't yep. really see very much. Space Texan, you might also say. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get. So then you can almost see like the screen. You know, whoever saw those two Guardians of Galaxy Galaxy movies and were like, "This is great. Let's make this movie called Solo." Yeah. <laughs> and like his character is about the same age as Peter Quill. Like he's got the he's got the pseudo paternal southern guy figure in Woody Harrelson. You know, it's just yep. like how many iterate how many like are it's a copy of a copy of a copy. It's, a copy. it's an echo chamber. Yeah, it's just this echo chamber. So that's that's exactly oh. what Emily that's what exactly what Emily said. Like a couple days after the movie, she's like I feel like this movie was a bad Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And I was yes. like, yeah, that's right. That's that's exactly right. It was a bad Guardians of the Galaxy, which is yeah. ironic because of what exactly what you say. Guardians of the Galaxy is like based on Star Wars, and now this new Star Wars thing comes out, and it can't help but be compared to Guardians of the Galaxy, which was based on Star Wars. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Like, oh and the God. difference the difference between my my uh Husker Du Pixies Bob Mold Sugar reference is that all of those bands were great, were mm -hmm. really, really good. And and they were all quality bands that added something to the mix and changed it up just enough to where they were just great bands. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, that's that's what I I that's what I thought about uh just the overall the solo thing, but it's weird. It didn't hit me until I listened to a podcast about it. And then I started thinking about the movie and I was like, Oh yeah, that solo thing. That was real bad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad when just moments when like little touch points in a movie make you groan about the movie in retrospect mm -hmm. when you, when they overshadow the good parts of the movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I honestly, I kind of feel like my, I, I, I already liked Rogue One, but my appreciation of Rogue One actually in, like increased. Yeah. Um, because, and I think the wise thing about Rogue One is, it, except for like one or two notable exceptions and exceptions that ultimately don't impact the film very much, it's all new characters. And so, yeah. yes, yes, it's a prequel, but it doesn't suffer from like prequelitis, yeah. right? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't find itself getting trapped in all of these very on the nose little, oh, this is where that thing came from. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Did you, when, when you heard somebody, you know, when you heard this whole the Kathleen Kennedy takes over and is like releasing all these new movies and, and we're going to have these offshoot Star Wars universe movies. Did you think that they were all going to be so closely related to this Skywalker storyline? Um, 
honestly, yes. And honestly, at the time, I didn't think it was a problem, but now I think it's a problem. I, I, don't, I don't know why I just thought like, oh, now we can talk about things that have nothing to do with the Death Star yeah. and nothing to, like, I, I just sort of picture, oh, we already, we already have the aesthetics. We know a little bit about like the Empire or whatever. Oh, okay. We'll just go to some random place and see like, here's another space drama set on Alderaan before it blows up or something, yeah. you know, like just something, yeah. something completely like that. That's sort of what I thought in my head that these were going to be like, I don't know why. Cause that yeah. wouldn't really, I, I think some esoteric, uh, you know, like some esoteric offshoot and people would be going, <laughs> Whoa, people Sorry. would be going, well, no, hush. People would be going, why is this called a Star Wars movie? Yeah. Oh, because the blasters are the same. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, theoretically, yeah. that's what Ryan Johnson is, is working on, right? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, like the guy who directed Last Jedi. Directed? Directed. The, the director yeah. of The Last Jedi yeah. is supposedly working on a new trilogy of movies that is going to be entirely new. Like yeah. it's gonna be in the Star Wars universe, but it's not gonna be the Skywalker story. Okay, that sounds so that good sounds to me. Good. That sounds yeah. good to me. That sounds good to me. But the Boba Fett movie does not sound good to me. The no. Obi Wan Kenobi movie does not sound good to me. Like no. I don't no. want those. I don't want no. them. No, we've had enough. We we've had enough yeah. of that. Like we're 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 good to go. We are yeah. good to go on right. the, on the previous movies. We have had enough prequels. Yeah. I don't think we need them. Yep. The story has I'm, been illuminated. Absolutely. I mean, very excited. I'm very excited about episode nine because I have no idea what's going to be in episode nine. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Force Awakens very much like you can, you know, set up what sort of had to be in the next movie of episode eight, but now I have no freaking clue what's going to be in episode nine. So I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah. But, Some people have said, like, you can end the, you, you could see, um, the last Jedi as being the end of a, of a little series. Like you could, if they, yeah. if they didn't make the next movie, that would be an end point. Boom. Yep. I agree. That's true. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, there was one more, there was one more point that I had in my head. Oh, the, the Darth Maul reveal that you talked about. Um, something I heard on, it was probably a slate podcast, but they, they said that, that Darth Maul reveal is only a big reveal that he wasn't dead if you haven't watched the um, Clone Wars cartoon and the Rebels right. cartoon. Right. Because he's apparently like still kicking around in those things. So they've yeah. already they've already revealed that. How many people though that went to see Star Solo a Star Wars story are gonna be like, what the fuck is going on here? Like mm -hmm. because so when when so here's what I thought was going to happen. Here's what mm -hmm. I thought was going to happen. Kira, you know, makes the video call. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be Snoke. Uh, I thought it was going to be, oh, long ago before Snoke, like, became this guy who ran the First Order, he was in the criminal underworld. Mm -hmm. And that would, that would make sense when, mm -hmm. you, when you connect it to how in The Last Jedi there's that plot point 
with Benicio del Toro, it's where it's like, oh, the arms manufacturers are selling to both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I thought that if it turned out that, oh, back in the day, Snoke was this like criminal mastermind in the underworld who, and then you could sort of extrapolate out from there that, you know, no, it wasn't Snoke, it was Darth Maul. And so then I had to be like, wait a minute, when is this movie I'm watching right now taking place? Yeah. Like, and then I was doing the math in my head. I was like, no, it, it, this cannot be before episode one. That makes no sense. This cannot be before episode one. And so yeah. honestly, for, the, for like a couple minutes after that reveal, I wasn't paying attention to the movie. I was trying to think like, wait a minute, what, what yeah, is this I was, movie taking place? Yeah, I, was doing the, I was doing the exact same thing, yeah. honestly. I was doing the exact same thing and then I had to, they, they didn't, um, oh, here's another point. They didn't focus in on his mechanical legs enough. Yes. Like, like you had to read into it. I, I read an article that was talking about this movie where they were saying that the the projection itself in many of these movies is not doing the the um, cinematography justice. Yes, I because that. that yeah yeah so like that first part looked all dark and and I I couldn't tell what people's faces were supposed to look like so some of that movie some of that problem could be attributed just back to the bad theaters you know yeah, like like not allowing the directors to do what they want to do but yeah, yeah i i totally agree with you on that point yeah. um but and then you know i i guess after a couple minutes went by i did kind of vaguely remember seeing on the internet that oh yeah in the cartoon series that they're showing darth maul is still alive so then i was sort of reconciled to it but it still threw me for a loop. You know? I, I didn't know. I didn't know that he was yeah. still alive in the cartoon. It, that, it was a pretty good reveal once I once I put that together. Oh yeah, his his legs and he got chopped in half and stuff. Yeah. Um, would you? So uh, would you see it again? I would see it again when it comes on Netflix. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm about the same. Um, I, although. I really like that Lando performance and I really like L337. Yep. So I might get it. I have you um have you purchased Rogue One and um Last Jedi? Yes. I haven't yes. I haven't bought either one. Yeah, I've purchased both of those. Uh, Emily and I just watched The Force Awakens the other night. And I think once we have a busy time come she's out of town now this week and I'm out of town next week. But uh, we'll probably rewatch Last Jedi coming up. You know, yeah. I remember when we talked to, when we gave our thoughts on the Last Jedi. I was like, "Oh, this is my favorite Star Wars movie now." Uh -huh. I still really like Last Jedi. I'm 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 definitely in the pro Last Jedi camp. But Solo man, is your favorite Star Wars movie. No, no, no but man, <laughs> The Force Awakens is so good. It's really God, good. It's good. so the, good. The pacing on it is is awesome. Did so, you see? Did you see on Twitter um, Scott Ackerman? You know from uh, Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The day the day Solo came out, he tweeted Star Wars movies, and then he numbered them. How many Star Wars movies have there been? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He numbered them one to ten. Uh -huh. 
But all he did was he just numbered them in the order that they came out into theaters. <laughs> That's all he did. <laughs> but but yeah. it wasn't, but like a lot of people just like, didn't get that's what he was doing. Like he was okay. fucking with people. He was yeah. like, I'm gonna make people think that this is my ranking of the Star Wars movies, but all I'm actually doing is just putting in the order that came out. Right. So then if you look at the replies to that, it's just people just going absolutely ape shit. They're just because, losing their fucking minds. Because he ranks, because he ranks uh, The Last Jedi as last. Yeah, he ranks Last Jedi as last. He ranks the prequels ahead of, you know, uh, episode eight and episode seven and eight and Rogue One. Like people yeah. are just fucking losing their minds. On oh, the it's hilarious. It's so good. People are so obtuse. It's so good. Yeah. Okay, let's see how much I can derail this movie, reviewing movies and Star Wars in general. I'm, okay, let's see how much I can do that right now with what I'm about to bring up. All right, all right. So I'm about, I'm a, what I just said is let's see if I can derail the entire concept of having a podcast about reviewing movies at all. Oh man, this is Star big, Wars in right. general. This movie, just maybe this, uh, yeah, this conversation itself, buying all of this stuff, all of it. Yep. Okay. okay. Uh, so I'm listening to this book by Chris Hedges. <laughs> 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 and he, it, listen it it's a book that he wrote chris hedges is a very lefty left 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 writer guy um and he wrote this book called death of the liberal of the liberal class yep. in 2018 or 2010 i'm listening to it now and oh my god man like the predictions that he makes for he's like I'm not sure if he was quoting somebody in the book. Uh, I'd have to go back and like re-listen to it or buy the book and like flip back to the page where he talks about it. But he's like, we are in serious trouble if a populist who is the least bit um, uh, charismatic comes along to mm -hmm. fill this void that the, that the liberal class has left, we are oh, in shit. very serious trouble. Oh, shit. <laughs> and... And one of the one of the arguments that he makes is that like uh, Hollywood sort of I, I'm paraphrasing a lot here. Okay, so this is my rendition of this is sort of my thoughts mixed with his thoughts. But like Hollywood and movies encompass what we call liberals now, but really all that this stuff is doing is like giving us these little nuggets to talk about and think about. And meanwhile, you know, we'll, we'll maybe have that, that feeling like, oh, this relates, this slave, you know, this like slave scene with the, with the Wookiees relates to what, I, what I'm experiencing, you know, like it relates to the, the atrocities yeah. that are happening in, in real life. And then we, we, talk about the entertainment value of it and then just kind of so, and, and yeah, then it, it it keeps us busy and we mm -hmm. think that you know like we'll we'll go on to twitter and talk about this stuff or we'll like respond to what trump is talking about on twitter because it it, it gives us the illusion of of um uh of doing something oh, worth social value this, and yes Yes. It's, yes. 
this so, dovetails yeah. really well with something. Um, All right. So the movie Get Out, which I yeah. loved and you thought was pretty good. I thought it was pretty um, good, yeah. Um, there was a podcast. I'll send you the episode. Okay. Um, there was this, there's this podcast called Stockton to Malone, which has not, I think is a podcast that doesn't really exist anymore. But um, it's these two guys, both of whom are guys who have, have written for Jacobin Magazine. Mm -hmm. So it's a socialist left-wing publication. It's this guy, Micah Utrecht and R.L. Stevens. And they did a, they recorded a podcast where they talked about the movie Get Out and their takes on it. And that's exact, what you just said is exactly one of the points that R.L. Stevens brings up in this review, which I think is really interesting, which is that like the left in America has been out of power for so long that it's grasping at straws. And therefore, oh. like having takes, having hot takes about pop culture mm -hmm. is like the one thing that leftists can do <laughs> that they feel like they have some power. Oh God, right? it's, so... it's, like, it's like it's like it's like the left is so out of power, really, yeah. Yeah. that it has to sort of assuage itself by having hot takes about cultural things. Well, it, and and, and it, like it tries to convince itself that if I write a really good think piece about the most recent episode of Girls, <laughs> I am doing politics, <laughs> right? You know, it's like, oh, God, I'm yeah. I've been guilty of this myself. I've been yeah. guilty of that line of thinking myself. Like, oh, I see what this episode of Westworld is doing. I'm gonna write a think piece about it. And it blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, the only reason you're pouring so much energy into this is because you are so far from the actual levers of power that this is all you can do. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's a it, it it's it's like super sobering and disturbing to think about that way. But there's also there's an element of um, like I I used to be a fundamentalist Christian, right, mm -hmm. and there's an element to that line of thinking that I need to be aware of, which is uh, like there was at one point when I was in church and somebody said like, if you're not, if you're not praying or reading the Bible, then what you're doing is fruitless. Um, oh and this could be a version of that, right? <laughs> like, like we are still allowed to enjoy things. We are still allowed to enjoy art, right? Like, but uh, maybe not it, 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 like put things in perspective. Like if we're trying to elicit social change and stuff, this is fine. And this is fun, you know, like this is fun to talk about, but this is not our social change moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. I should clarify that on that, on that podcast, uh, RL Stevens and Mikey Utrecht, that, was their preface to actually like, <laughs> they, uh, they said it kind of tongue in cheek. All of that aside, yeah. we're gonna give our thoughts on, you know, I know. Piece of yeah. culture. <laughs> that's, that, that's like, that's what, what, what we're doing here. So, yeah. so let, me, let me try to paraphrase. So Micah Utrecht's sort of like tongue in cheek take on the movie Get Out was he's like, I don't know, lots of you are saying that you saw a movie about, you know, race in America, but what I saw 
was a movie about the importance of strong public sector unions. Let me explain. Because <laughs> at the end of the movie, the hero is the guy from the TSA. He knew that he could take that TSA vehicle away from work, and his union rep would represent him if he uh -huh. I like it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is our? What, how do we? How do we uh, twist solo to to have that that sort of same pro social commentary? Well, is that possible? Well, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have as much. Like there is that one part where I thought it was kind of interesting, where it's a comment about the empire as colonialism, where it's mm -hmm. like, all right, we're in combat and we have to go eliminate the hostiles, and Han goes, well, we're, it's their planet, so we're the hostiles. So that was pretty good. Yeah, you know, there's the separating people from their families. So there's little like allusions. There, there's sort of the anti-war element too, where yeah. you know you think that this, uh, this enemy that you're fighting in Infus Nest is is the bad guy, but actually, you know, it's like mm -hmm. they they are the ones that are standing up to the oppression, right. and here we are with our with our you know Westernist take on things and and. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's that, there's that part of it too. Um, it just bugs me when I see stuff like that. And I think that they put it in there to pander to people like us. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Might've been. I don't Might've been. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah. All right. Well, All right, man. Uh, I think, I think that's good. I think that's it's good. a good, I think it's a good discussion. You, you said B minus. Um, I think I'm with you there. I yeah, but uh, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'm sitting at B. Okay, maybe just maybe just a B because yeah. um because I really I really liked the uh like the dog the chewy dog aspect. Yeah. I and the, I guess um, I guess it's worth saying technically, the movie's great. Like I think it looks really good. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Think, I don't think the theater oh. I was in was one of the ones with projection problems. Um, okay, I thought it looked really good. I thought yeah. like some of the special effects were kind of amazing. Like there's this part where um, they lose the, in, when they're on the snowy planet and the, the fuel that they have failed to rob blows up and it blows up in a really interesting way. Like it was yeah. a really yeah, cool yeah. explosion. Yeah. Um, uh, the, I, I think the one bit of prequelitis that was worthwhile was they resolved the damn 12 parsecs, like how do you do the Kessel run in a less amount of space? Yeah. Like parsecs is not time, that's distance. Yep. And they resolved that in, yep. a, in a pretty sweet way, I thought. Like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. He, cut, he takes a shortcut past this, which I thought, what I thought was a really cool, like, Cthulhu monster in space and it gets its like flesh ripped off of it into a black hole and it's trying to grab at the Millennium Falcon. Uh, man, I was on board for all of that. I, I wasn't really just because I oh, knew really? that, I, I knew that they were gonna get away. Like oh, I yeah, knew, I knew that there were a lot of stakes. No, I knew that they were gonna get away too. I just really liked that specific imagery. Yeah. Like some sort of crazy ass slumbering god. Cthulhu monster that lives next to this insane black hole. Like I thought, I just thought it looked really. I thought really what fucking... looked, so. So if I had been the screenwriter, I would have never had them say twelve parsecs. I would have said fourteen, so that when you get to Star Wars, 
A New Hope, we can see how the 12 parsecs means that the number is like slowly creeping down over the years. Oh, like yeah, with the years yeah. exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. How big was the fish? It, you know, in yeah, the exactly. movie, it's exactly. yeah, yeah. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. You know, it's it's interesting the movie that might have been, because apparently the uh, character of Dryden Voss, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Yeah. The character of Dryden Voss was originally going to be played by Michael K. Williams. Yeah, yeah. He and played it was be a C uh, Omar on the Omar. Wire, right? Yeah, and it was going to be a CGI character. Right. Yeah. And there wasn't time to do that with the, like, firing the directors and changing everything up. Oh, man. How, yeah, that, that would have added... Even if you just would have gotten Michael K. Williams in to play that bad yeah, guy, I agree. Oh, man, he is such a good—he's such a good uh, actor. I really—I really like him. Yeah. All right, man. Well. All right. Well, that covers that good. about covers it. So that you know, go uh, go placate. We'll go placate ourselves with our with our media and yep. pretend that things are getting better. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The world is a shit show, but God damn it, we shared some interesting opinions. Look, we had some opinions. We had yeah. a little, we had a little think piece, yeah. and um, <laughs> you changed the name of the podcast to the little think piece. The little think piece. <laughs> um, all right, all right, all right, man. We'll, we'll, we'll talk at you soon. All right, see ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs>